Hey guys, it's Tony. I'm here to talk to you about Awaken Conference. Now, Awaken is a young adult gathering in Charlotte, North Carolina from January 31st to February 2nd, 2020. And it's meant to help you recharge your spiritual life and connect with a community that you can grow your faith alongside. Now, this year's presenters include a killer lineup with Caleb Isley of Humans of Adventism and, of course, a friend of the podcast. He's been on a few episodes. Kim Cove, a licensed counselor, and Randy Ban, the creative producer at Nike World Headquarters. The keynotes will be brought by Ben Lundquist of the Rise and Lead podcast, uh, a good friend of mine and an amazing speaker. Trust me, guys, you will not want to miss out. And Absurdity will be there. So me and Becker, uh, you get, get to see us if you come out. Uh, would love to come and talk to you. We absolutely think that this is something you're going to want to come and see. Speaking of, if you enter the code Absurdity at awakennc.com, that's Absurdity, A-B-S-U-R-D-I-T-Y, at awakennc.com, you're going to get a 10% discount. We'd love to see you there. This is absolutely something that we support, and we think that Awaken is a part of the growing church movement that we want to see moving forward. Once again, if you enter code absurdity at awakennc.com, you'll get a 10% discount off the initial price. Love to see you guys there. Today's episode of Absurdity is sponsored by The Haystack. The Haystack is a voice for young adults in the Seventh-day Adventist Church that produces articles, music reviews, videos, and more. To check them out, go to www.thehaystack.org. The Haystack. Life. Culture. Theology. Hey guys, welcome back to Absurdity, where there are most absurd conversations happen 30 seconds before we hit the record button. We, uh, we, Tony and I like to have fun, but... You're not even uh, kidding. We, <laughs> not even kidding a little bit. Like, we, we seriously, like right before we hit the record button, we're laughing our heads off. And then we have to somehow put on a yeah. straight face, and then I have to sit here for five seconds, wait for some silence so I can have it for the editing portion of this show, and then like launch into yeah. some serious tirade. But it is it it is what it is. <laughs> like I I feel like people who he only hears on this podcast are like these are some really serious guys. Like they have a lot of serious. Like that's how I feel. Jesus is like I feel when we actually meet Jesus in heaven, we're gonna be like, oh wow, he laughs a lot. Like in my head, when I hear the stories, when I see it. Um, especially John, like I, I just get this sense of a person who loved living life and was fun and exciting and like kids wanted to be around Jesus. Kids don't want to be around like somber people yeah. who are serious all the time. They just don't. And yes, it was also that he had God's spirit. in But like if you think that the spirit of God didn't manifest itself in pleasantness and joy and someone who was charismatic and wanted to be you know, not charismatic in the technical sense, but who had charisma, then you're an idiot. Like I had, I'm sorry, I love you, I will work with you, but you're an idiot. Because like, people wanted to be around him. God is joy. Like, he is love, he is fun, He he's those types of things. So I feel like when people hear us, and I'm not comparing us to Jesus, but when people hear us, they have this idea that we're like these somber guys who talk about deep issues all the time. And like... 90% of the time before we start an episode, we're just going off on like, what would happen if a grasshopper flew up our nose right now? Ha! <laughs> Hello, this is Ryan and Tony. Yeah, we're, we're going to talk about, about serious church things now. Serious, serious Very things. Serious things. <laughs> like, uh, no, I, I, I feel oh, like... I feel like so if, that's why uh, I, I've changed my Twitter. Uh -huh. I feel like if, if Jack in the Boxes, not the restaurant, like actual Jack in the Box existed actual back when Jesus... I feel like I could totally see him giving Peter a Jack in the Box. 
and like pranking him or like making or making oh, John oh gosh, sit yes. on a whoopee cushion. Like I could totally see that. You, uh, you know I what I see? I see that as sacrilegious at all. I see the water bottle thing where he's like, all right, Peter, I want you to look at this water bottle. I want you to tell me what you see. Lord, I don't see. Uh, <laughs> like, that's what I see. That's what I see. Yes, absolutely. And John's just on the floor, just real, just ah, ah, like, that's what I see. Yes, I agree. So, yes, that's how straightforward and serious we're straight. Now let's talk about serious things. Tony, only, For real, we need no jokes. serious we're not, things. We're not, we don't about, joke uh, on absurdity. Everything we say is completely serious. Joke. That's actually a perfect segue into what we're talking about, actually. I would... I think we unintentionally... Uh, that's how every... The best segues are unintentional. Also, the best segues are not talked yeah. about. So we ruined our perfect segue. No, it's just... It's a meta subway. Segway. It's a meta subway. <laughs> does that... You can tell it's lunchtime. Does it, does it, is um, a meta sub... What is a meta subway? Is a meta subway uh, Quiznos? Is that... Is, is that what a meta subway no, is? No, a meta subway would be Jersey Mike's. No, That'd Jersey be... Mike's is too good. Don't Don't do that to me. No, that's what I'm saying. It's like it knows it's a, you know, it's not trying to be what it isn't. That's fair. Like, we make good sandwiches. Eat Somebody's our food. Like, we you know? make sandwiches. Okay. Eat our food. Oh, we're healthy. No, you're not. No, you're not. No, you're not. No, first of all, no, you're not. Second of no, all, you're not. No, no, you're not. You're yeah. Not. Like, let's let's just Okay, so so Jersey Mike's, when you want to stick good things in your face. We're getting eight thousand dollars for this plug, so stay with us. We have another forty five seconds. I'm kidding. <laughs> so what how is this a perfect segue, Tony? Please take a second. Because I don't so know. So this is this This is what we're talking we're talking about the fact um that a lot of our churches sometimes claim to be friendly without being hospitable. And um Hospitality to me is so much more than just a bright smile and a happy Sabbath. Like, first of all, the phrase happy Sabbath isn't hospitable. Let me explain to you why. It is a joyous greeting. It might even be a positive greeting. But hospitality is welcoming somebody into a culture or a place that is not their own. A good host doesn't come in and start telling inside jokes. Right, a good host welcomes people in, and then, and if something is done, a good host will explain what is going on to them. Right, and I think a lot of our churches, we just assume, like we do church for ourselves without being very hospitable. Well, I would, I would actually, and so we say things like, I would alter your definition slightly and say instead of welcoming them into a culture, you're integrating them into a culture or new. Yeah, yeah. and I think that's part of welcoming. I think that's the yeah, yeah, like welcoming is part, like integrating to me is part of welcoming. Yeah, I'm just more right than you. That's the it's, that's the main. No, yeah, you are. You are right. You're more detailed. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's why we work so well together. Because we balance. I'm not going to sing this whole episode. Um, we should do a singing episode, though. That would be fun. <laughs> um, no, but for reals, like I think we, I think we need to talk about that. Because, oh, first off, before we kind of do that, like, uh, what is your definition of hospitality? I, that, I've kind of I would, a I would say the it. exact same thing. It's integrating people. Um, so it's a more, it's a more kind of holistic sense of 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 bringing someone into your culture. I think, or, or bringing someone into your place right? Your home, your location, yeah. whatever, or your organization, your group of people, your friends, whatever. It's integrating someone. It's a, yeah, we can just say culture. It's, it's helping say someone feel like they are a yeah. part of what you are and what you're doing. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. You are now part of our yes. thing. One of us. One of us. One of us. Yeah. Um, and so to me, like we don't do... Okay, I'll give you a perfect example. Um, 
the church that I was at for, for a few years in Texas, a wonderful, wonderful people. I love them very much. Um, they consider themselves to be a very friendly church. They were not that like they were in the sense that they didn't go out of their way to make people feel unwelcome. Um, they were extremely diverse. We've had Asians and Hispanics and, and, uh, Latinos and which is a different thing. Um, we had, uh, people from Africa. We had African American, you know, black people, um, which is a different thing. We had, uh, all age groups. Mm -hmm. This was the most diverse church I think I've ever seen. And there was about 300 people, about 250 on a, you know, yeah, a good size, but about 300 people give or take. And so it was crazy to me to see this very diverse church that did not do a good job of retaining visitors. Like they were, they did a very bad job. Why? Because while they were quote unquote friendly, they were not hospitable. They did not make sure that our visitors got seats intentionally. They did not make sure that our visitors were talked to intentionally they did not make sure that we got our visitors contact information and contacted them through the week intentionally. If it happened, it happened by accident or because somebody had a burden on their heart that week. But if those people were gone, there was not a, a system in place and a culture in place to make that intentional. And to me, that's the difference between being hospitable and being friendly. Yes, you had smiles for people, but you didn't make them feel like they were like, a part of your group. They were a part of your thing. A great host makes you feel like you're the reason why they did this thing, right? Yeah. Whether it's a party or a meal or whatever, like, oh my gosh, you're here. Thank God we were waiting. You know what I mean? Like, oh, thank goodness. Like, we're so whew, excited that you're here. Almost, Here's how this works. Are, yeah. Here's what to expect. Like, like that's the thing. There's no, yeah. there's no kind of communication to help them understand what they're walking into. Um, we yeah. just kind of assume that they know it, or they, yeah, or they'll ask if they don't know. No one ever asks. Yeah. No one ever comes. No uh -oh. one does. Think about with like even if you do. Let's say you do, yeah. um, and you're the person who asks. You are the exception to the rule. Know that. Watch other people. Um, and so to me, that's the difference. That's the difference between being a uh, 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 intentional intentionality. I think is the difference between being friendly and hospitable. Um, if something happens where you you do click with people or they are shown in, it's completely by accident. It is not. Something that you, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and I, and I don't mean that they fell into it, but I mean, even if one person does that, that's a happy accident that that person took on that responsibility for themselves. Well, rather than an intentional part of your church. And this, what, well, what annoys me is like, if you go to a restaurant, right? You walk in, the host, they not only welcome you, ask how many are with you, um, if you have any special needs. They give you your menus. They give you what you need to eat. They walk you to your table. And many of them will even go over the day's specials, right? Like they'll give you all the information you need to know what to expect and how everything. Or, and, and drinks. so-and-so will be They're your like, server oh, do you, today. Do you guys want and, drinks or whatever? Yeah, yeah. Like we, what we do is we say, oh, yeah, this is like a seat yourself venue. So just walk in. Like I feel like holistic. We do. We do. We say hi. Well, which marginally so if we all if we keep saying happy Sabbath to everyone. But. Still, like we say hi, well, we'll hand people a bulletin and then we'll go, okay, now just walk around this building you've never been in and good luck, right? Like just know when you're supposed to sit down. Double doors are right there. Yeah. Like yeah. there's no one to be quiet. No one to, yeah. And like that's also a very Catholic mentality. 
keep that in mind because in the Catholic Church, you are told exactly what to do, exactly what to read. Like you are told what to do. <clears throat> and I'm not knocking it. I'm just saying that that is not a Protestant idea. Like that is that is not our culture. That is someone else's culture that we've adopted the mentality of because we're used to that where the pastor comes up and goes, and now we're going to be doing this. I hate, it's a personal pet peeve of mine when worship leaders go up and say, and now we are singing our next song. And now we are singing our next song. Like, if I wanted a robot, I would have, you know, I would have had a robot come up and do it better than you. Like, be personable. We don't do this in real life. Like, we don't do that. Name one other time where you just go up and randomly say, and now we are doing this. Class. I'm just kidding. Even in class, the prof- good professors, well, uh, <laughs> but a good professor, a good professor will, yeah, because there are, I have had that, a good professor will explain and connect with you. Yeah. But the best professors I had, the classes that I distinctly remember, and I remember a lot more from those entire semesters, are the ones who did worship when they started out. Because it was like I connected with what he was saying, and now I care about the next things to come out of your mouth, whether or not I care about this class. Because you took the time to connect to me. Yeah. And to me, that was that's hospitality. Well, and that's that's like it's holistic and it's intentional. And greeting is not that. Greeting is like what we do is greeting is the shallowest form of like it's a sad excuse for hospitality, is what it is. Um, if, yeah, if it's by its own, it's a useless position Yeah, on its own, because first off greeters should go out to the people because what do we say when we just have greeters standing at our door? What's that message actually say? We don't care about you until you're in our door. Until you come to us, we're not going to go out and find you. And to me, that's a very significant mentality. Now. Are we going out to find you? So let's, let's, okay, so let's shift gears here because I think this is a good time to do it. Where have we seen the hospitality done well? Um, you know, what, what, are, what are good examples of it? And I think you and I are thinking of the exact same church uh, when, I, when I say this, but it's not, I don't see it, um, it's not an Adventist church, but like for me, the place that I have seen hospitality for the most part done well is Elevation Church. I lived 20 minutes away from the main campus for years. And from the moment you drive into their parking lot, um, you are treated like a king. Uh, you know, you, you drive in, if you've never been there, you turn on, and there's signs everywhere for, that tell you to do this. Turn on your hazards. If it's your first, first time guest, turn on hazards. Uh, we'll put you in VIP parking. They, they, they have all these traffic guides that are all church volunteers wearing traffic vests with those cool little like flashlight things and they, or bar batons, whatever. And they, they point you in the direction. They, they point you to special parking unless that parking is full. And then someone meets you, walks you to the door. They give you everything you need and they tell you where to go. They ask you your name, where you're from, that kind of thing. You go to church. They help you. They'll help you find a seat. When you walk into the auditorium, there's a million volunteers there that are specifically tasked with helping you find a seat. All right. So, then afterwards, you they will yeah. kick regulars out so that you yes. can have a seat. Absolutely. And then you fill out a connect card, you bring it to them, and they give you a shirt. They talk to you for a while, and they pray with you before you go. And it's a, it's a whole process, and it's really cool. Um, like, I see that as awesome because from the moment, it, like, you never have to be confused as to where you're supposed to go or what you're supposed to do next. 
uh, because everything is really, really clear. And they tell you in the service, like, hey, if you're a first time guest, we'd love we have a special gift for you. Head out to the big orange tents or black tents in the parking lot and uh, that you saw as you came in and we'll we'll give you your gift. Um, we just want to thank you for coming. And like they're they're just so intentional about that process. And it's really cool because the process doesn't end when the church service starts. The process ends when you leave the parking lot. And that that's huge to me. Well, and not even then, even then, um, that is that wasn't gonna be my example. Um, but I'll roll with it because I have been to the church and I love it. The process ends when you visit when you become a member. That's fair. Yeah. Because like even I went once and a year later I got a birthday postcard from a year later after yeah, my one yeah, visit, I got yeah. a birthday postcard in the mail. When I went, I got two phone calls. I got an email and I got a letter, a hand. Well, I don't, I, somebody had to put it in an envelope. It wasn't, it was, it wasn't hand typed. I was on a computer, but a, a typed out with my name, knowing which week I came to by Wednesday, which means they probably had to mail it out a couple, at least two days before. So they knew it would get there by Wednesday. So by the middle of the next week, before I had theoretically decided where I was going to go to church that week, they said, we would love to have you come back. Here's what we're doing. Here's some ministry Ooh. opportunities that are up. And it was like, I wanted to go back. I wanted to drive another, I don't know what, seven hours to from Southern Six hours, something like that. Wow. How long is that? I don't even... Somewhere in there. It's a drive. It's not like... Seven a, hours. Oh, I'll drive an Seven hour hours. and a half. It's not like... What? Yeah, seven yeah. hours. It's not like driving to Knoxville or something. Like, I no, wanted to get up at three in the morning to get to their church service. I did it because I didn't have money for the gas, um, and that would have been extremely dangerous. Uh, and I had school. But, like, I wanted to come back. And, and it wasn't even that the service was inc like that incredible. Like it was quite good and very professional. They're very, very good at the church service, but it was the fact that they were so intentional about inviting me back. It, it was not a happy accident. It was not because the spirit moved me. It's because they made me feel welcome. Now, do I think that here's my thing. None of that is doctrinal. You know what I mean? And I bet they would have kept doing that until no, I decided to become all, a member. That's all pragmatic. No, none of that. It's Is it... They did not ask for money. They did not ask for a donation. They just wanted me back. I didn't feel cynical about it. Um, I really felt like they wanted to minister to me. Like they were so excited that I joined and they wanted to minister to me. I felt special. And so to me, none of that's doctrinal. None of that was theological. Their theology was correct in the sermon as a, you know, I was almost a pastor at that point. So it was like, yeah, their theology was actually quite correct. Oh. Um, you know, they were doing it on Sunday and the band wasn't wearing, you know, suits. They were just wearing normal clothes, but it was a Sunday. So it wasn't Sabbath. Um, Fair. <laughs> so, so, Which but, Elevation you know, has a Sabbath is, service. I don't know if you know that. Yeah, yeah. Saturday evenings at five o'clock. Yep. And that is never. Yep, yep, yep. That is never after sundown. Five o'clock is never after sundown. So no. Yeah. It's a Sabbath service. Uh, they also have a Wednesday service. But that's my point. It's like, what about that was wrong theologically? You could argue Sunday, but that's your only point. And even that's and not a strong way, point. 
That's not a strong point because if they're keeping the Sabbath, they can worship any day of the week. In fact, it's probably smarter yeah. to meet on a Sunday because it's less work on Sabbath. Also, if there wasn't... I would love... If there wasn't uh, Sunday churches, a lot of our medical professionals couldn't go to church. A lot of the EMTs, for, public for reals, servants... One of my church leaders, uh, three of my church leaders were doctors, and I hated the fact that they were on call on Sabbath. Yeah. It sucks. I ha- or not the fact that they were on call. I hated the fact that I had to put them in charge of stuff when they were on call. Oh, yeah. Because I'm like, you shouldn't have two stresses on the Sabbath, of the stress of getting things done for church, and I might get yeah. called in. You know what I mean? Like, I hated yeah. putting that on them because I'm like, you're not getting a Sabbath rest, and if anyone should not have a Sabbath rest, it should be me as the mm. pastor. You know what I mean? Like, I'm I'm the one that shouldn't... I would like to, and I took some time too, but it's like you should be able to get your Sabbath rest on the days that you're not literally working. Um, anyway, point being that... <laughs> Um, this is something that I think didn't, that's the hospitality. That's intentionality. I saw it also best in an Adventist church, um, at the Paradise Valley Seventh Adventist Church in, in Arizona. It's not the most friendly of churches. I can say that off the bat. It really isn't. I, I thought it would be, it isn't, but they are very intentional about getting your number, about getting, or they were when I went. Mm -hmm. Very intentional about getting your number. They were very intentional about making sure that they knew who you were. Now, granted, my dad was the, you know, I, he wasn't president at the time, but I think he was secretary or youth director the first time I went. And so they knew who we were because of that, because he was speaking there. But they were, I saw how they treated the visitors. The, the pastor was out greeting people. He didn't teach us Sabbath school. He was out finding people. He let his associates teach. He was out greeting people, saying hi, and he had a group of greeters going down to the parking lot like that. You came in. They directed you to a Sabbath school. They didn't just tell you, but they actually took you. Yeah. Right? And then afterwards, they got your information. They had you sign the book. They do all that. Now, they did it in an old school method that to me, I go, well, the 1950s are done. I think we can do it (laughs) more relevantly. But they did it. Yeah. Right? Like, at least they had that. So I think that's something that we can improve on. Um, Bless you. I think that's the first time I've ever sneezed on a, on a podcast. Yeah, on but to be fair, I, whenever I talk to you in regular conversation, I don't think I've ever heard you clear your throat once. But as soon as we start podcasting, your throat becomes like a mess. I do not understand it's crazy. it. I will never understand it's it. It's crazy. It's really funny, though. Yeah. I enjoy it. Um, nah. No. Uh, <laughs> but I think that's the other big thing when we talk about... Um, Intention or uh, uh, hospitality is relevancy. Yeah. Um, you have to be relevant in order to be hospitable, uh, relevant to that culture. And so to me, I think the other thing is hospitality looks different where you're at. Make sure that you are hospitable to the culture you're at. Don't try to take hospitality of, mm. you know, one part of the country or, or or one country and move it to another and then expect other people to join in. I would not expect a Dutch church or a, a church from Holland um, to be a hospitable place necessarily for Japanese people. Mm. You know what I mean? Like those are two vastly different cultures. So I would expect that they would be different. It's like reverence, right? Yeah. Reverence is different for every culture. What's reverent to... 
Latino culture is completely different than white culture is completely different than black culture is completely, it's just completely different. Yeah. Like quiet is reverence for white people. I have discovered for the majority of white people, reverence equals quiet solemnity. I have never been to a Hispanic or Latino second generation. Yes. Not first generation, a first generation Spanish speaking church where it was quiet Kids are running around. They are loud. It's it's just like I I my ADHD goes nuts. I hate preaching at those churches because not because I hate them, but because my ADHD goes crazy because there's noises happening everywhere. Mm. Conversations are happening. Things and I'm like, <gasps> I can't focus. Uh, I'm hearing everything. Like you know. So, well, but for them that's reverent. Yeah, they don't consider that to be irreverent. Well, and for for. Black churches, like black black church services, gospel services are dialogical yeah. in nature, right? Like everything in the service and, is a and, is a converse, interactional, yes, yeah, very interactional. Well, I didn't get that before, so I used to hate um, very very much. So I used to hate preaching in a predominantly black church because as I would preach, people would say "Amen" yes, or pastor, "Yes, pastor." Yes, you tell yes, them, "Yes, yes." Say and it. I'd be you like, uh-huh. and I'd sit there and I'd you go, ain't "Preaching yet? You ain't preaching yet?" No, and I would go, "No, no, no. You're the person that I need to hear." Like I. I need you to hear this and do this. Don't tell me, like, agree, like, you agree, but you're not, like, or don't tell me to tell them, I'm telling you. Like, like I used to take it as, like, direct feedback, not the interaction part. So the second I understood... I'm not finished yet. I'm yeah. not finished so, yet. I'm so not the second I, I realized that it was dialogical, I realized how dumb I was, right? Now I love it. Um, there's still a part of me that has to adjust it, but I, to, to some extent, like, I really do love it now. And I think it's beautiful. Like, I think it's awesome. And I think uh, the different kind of ideas and cultural uh, cultural ideas of reverence yeah. is amazing. For them to be quiet would be a reverence. Yes. Because they're like, you're not telling the pastor, you're, what are you, falling asleep? Like, how rude are you? Yeah. Right? And meanwhile, white people are like, why are you talking when he, you stop interrupting him? How rude are yeah. you? And both cultures are sitting there going like, how rude this other culture is. But neither of them is being irreverent. I think God accepts both. Yeah, absolutely. Right? Like, I don't think God's sitting there going like, well, I, I mean, if you now, I think there's a time and a season and a place for everything. I don't think prayer should be, I should say, I don't think that corporate prayer should be dialogical to a degree. I, I think you can say, say to a degree. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I, to a degree. I don't think that. We're, we're, it's a, it's a, let them have a conversation with God, right? Like, don't interrupt their conversation with God. But when we are talking, yeah, absolutely. I think there's a time and a place for solemnity. I think there's yeah. a time and a place for silence. I think there's a time and a place for joy. I think there's a time and a place for dialogue. I think there's a time and a place to let the kids run around and just have fun so the parents can sit there and pay attention. Um, you know, I remember watching my two little brothers play in a church after the service was done. It was on a Sabbath, but they were just running around. They weren't breaking anything. Mm. But I remember the joy they had on their face as they were running around. And I remember thinking, this is worship. Mm. This is understanding the presence of God. We just had an entire service, but these guys get it better than we ever do. And a parent came in and saw them running around and berated me. For for disrespecting the the house of God, and I'm like, first of all, this is his footstool, so, and I did not respond in the best way possible. I should have responded better, but I, I remember thinking, this is true worship, like, and that's the idea of hospitality, is 
I think hospitality should be should be cult culturalized. I don't know what the way contextualized. Contextualized. That's the word. Becker, you're so smart. Thanks. Um, it should I should be start a podcast. You should. You should start a pod. You know, like you should start it without me, um, and then have me join 17 episodes later. <laughs> um, so I think that's a big a big part of it. It needs to be contextualized. Um, all right. So that being said, within the context of Adventist churches in the North American division, what is hospitality? What should it look like? In the be- in the mind of the great Brian Recker. Well, okay, so I kind of want to go back to to a point I made earlier when I said that elevation does it well. What's funny is I actually think that our smaller congregations are more suited to long term hospitality better. Um, and here's what I mean: like, you go to elevation once, you're treated like a king. You go twice, you're still treated like a king or queen, right? Like, like you were treated well, you're treated like a guest of honor, and everything's fantastic. However, I've been to elevation several times now. And I never met a single person. You get lost in the crowd. And so you're greeted every time. And you're treated well every time. But unless you show up to their meeting or you do something extra, no one's going to remember you. You're going to see different people every time. And, and the people I sat next to never said a word to me. And to be fair, I never said a word to them. Okay, that's fair. But um, like ultimately, you're not, you're not really integrated into the community um, or if you are integrating, the, you don't have yeah. to, Where? you don't have to. Whereas if you go like one of the strongest things about my small churches was even though our greeting was subpar, if you came back, you knew people. If you came back a second time, a third time, a fourth time, we remembered you, you were welcomed immediately in, you had somewhere to someone to sit with. You were like, John, like, how's yeah, your mom doing? Exactly. Like people remembered, like we do, we are so well suited to long-term hospitality. In, in a smaller, and I think that's just by nature of being smaller congregations, but I think as well that's... And, and if you are a different color from that congregation, forget about it. I remember <laughs> being the only white guy in a bunch of Mexicans, and they thought I was the cool... They were like, oh my gosh, you're back. Like, the white kid's back. Yes. Like, you know what I mean? Like, they know you are there. Yes, Exactly. So like that's the thing that that is one of the things like I want to I know I complain a lot that is a huge strength of ours. If you come back, the problem is we have to get them to come back, and that's where I go. We need to work on our what happens at the door and that entire experience as a guest, and that's why I actually think we should move away from the word visitor and go with guest. But neither here nor there. Um, I you know I it's just it's one of those things for me that hospitality cares about the whole the holistic integration of a, of a person into the culture of your community. And here's the be- here's here's what would make our lives a lot easier even though it would make us a lot harder in the short term. If our churches already reflected the communities we were in, integrating them into our culture wouldn't be a problem. It, it should Like does that make sense? It should, like it should literally be, oh, this is what a haystack is. Oh, this is why we like, this is why we meet on yeah, Saturday. If, if our if our churches reflected the cultures of the communities we're in, then our communities wouldn't have to be so surprised when they walked in the door. In fact, they would see that the Christian the, the Christian or the Adventist culture transcends their culture by being able to adapt what is in that community's <laughs> culture and 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 um, integrate it within the greater message, message, vision, and love of Jesus and what it means to be a follower of Jesus. And so, like, if it doesn't make sense that 
a bunch of rich white people go to church in a very segregated, low income, um, like low in low income, tiny church. Like if, if someone from that neighborhood, that low income segregated neighborhood walks into that church, they're going to see no one that looks like them. No one that can connect with them. It's a church that does not reflect the community that it's in. And so like, and, and I'm, it kills me. Commuter church is killed. Like it just, it, it's hilarious to me sometimes. I'm so with you on that. And it doesn't mean that that rich white church should cease to exist. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not just saying like, well, you guys should move, which by the way, it happens. If you don't think it does, I have a prime example for you, which is the Chattanooga first church, Mm. which meets in Oodlewa. 20 minutes from Chattanooga. Explain that to me, Becker. I don't want to. So this is the thing that those churches are going to move. Um, however, it, it, what we are saying is that you should be more intentional about connecting just because you are a rich white congregation in a low neighborhood. Okay. So how do you connect with that community? Yeah. Can I tell you, right? like, this is something I don't talk yeah. about a lot. Um, I used to drive like a nice, nicer. I still drive technically a nice car by, you know, whatever standard you want to measure. I drive a Super Crosstrek right now. It works. Right. No, no, I drive a Super, I drive a 2015 Super Crosstrek. I actually got a newer car out of this story. When I, when I showed up to my district, I was rolling up to church in a suit and a tie. I have an iPhone, I have an Apple Watch, and I had a Ford Focus ST 2013. This thing was a bright blue. 19 inch rims that were very shiny. Like it's not necessarily, I remember that it's not necessarily that it was this super nice car. It was that it looked nice. And here's, and one of my churches, yeah. And one of my churches was in a low income neighborhood. And every Saturday I was pulling up to that church. I made all of these houses where like one of the people across the street, like that family couldn't even afford, um, like, like could barely afford food. We were feeding them with potluck with, with like leftover potluck food on occasion and things like that. Like, um, and they were dealing with some medical issues and stuff. Right. And I'm, I'm rolling up the church in this super shiny, nice car, getting out in a suit and tie, checking my iPhone and my Apple watch as I walk in the door and carrying an iPad in my backpack to preach from like, can we, that doesn't make, I, one of the reasons that I got rid of my focus was that, um, there were, uh, there were several other reasons as well, but that was actually a very significant portion of that decision. Now I drive a 2015 Subaru Crosstrek, but it's a darker color and it actually doesn't look like, unless you know the car and know, like know it, it doesn't look, it's nondescript. It's, it's discreet. On the surface, it's, it doesn't seem yeah, to it doesn't, it, it doesn't, it doesn't have Mercedes on it. Yeah, it doesn't, and, yeah. And it's one of those things where it was, I felt terrible going into this culture and I did not even, it seemed like I didn't even value the same things. Now you could call, you could call me to go one step further and sell my iPhone and sell my Apple watch and all this. I'm not saying that white guilt or guilt in general should call everyone. To, I don't think every pastor should do this. What I'm saying is we or, should, or rich guilt. Yeah. we should be able to, or be willing to make sacrifices here and there where appropriate in order to contextualize ourselves to the communities we're in. I don't see, like, I don't think that's asking. I'm not trying to micromanage or tell you what you should sell, what you should do or what specific things you should get rid of. I'm just saying like we should be conscious of the ways that we differ from the communities we're in and seek to build bridges instead of build fences. Cause it's that idea of hospitality. Exactly. Um, the church I was at in, in Texas, you know, the same one it was very friendly, not very hospitable. 
they did uh, on March when the rodeo was in town, they would do cowboy church. And I am not a cowboy. Brother, let me tell you, I actually really like horses, ironically, and I love being outside. I could be a cowboy, but I am a California surfer, okay? That is to my core. Like, in my inner being, that is who I am. Everything else is a lie. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But I'll tell you what, man. After being at that church and knowing that that was such a big part of Texan culture and, that, and, and you know, when people walked in and they saw that, I said, I bought a pair of boots, I bought a hat, I, I wore a bolo tie, I would take pictures of it, and you and, and Hillary and Steve would make fun of me. I still do. I wore the checkered shirts with the, you know, I would do that. Why? Because even though that's not me, and I felt like I was wearing a costume, I really did. I really did every time. But that was that was my people. And when I did that, I not only connected with my people, but when a visitor walked in, they were like, oh, this is a Texan church. Mm-hmm. You know, this is a Texan church. Like, this is a church in tech. They look like me. This is that's part of being hospitable. Um, and even when you and it's not being hypocritical, because when you go no. back to normal, the guest says, oh, this person went out of their way to make sure I felt like I was a part yeah. of this place. It's not hypocritical. And not even that. I didn't change. It wasn't like my message changed and I changed. I didn't compromise the gospel in order to do that. And I don't think you should do that either. I don't think that you should go and preach a social justice gospel just because you're in a black neighborhood. No. Preach a social, a, a social justice gospel because that's the gospel message that God has put on your heart to preach. Preach that in any context. But at the same time... Know the people that you were with. And when you are there without compromising and people saw you made an effort, mm. it means that much more. Yes. So it means more to them when you do change certain things about how you present it and how you talk. If you say as a, you know, we're white guys, if we went to and pastored a black church, a predominantly black church, and I mean a black church, with the hallelujahs and the 800 minutes of, of song, which I love. And, you know, we're going till three o'clock every time we went to a black church and we changed the way we preach to work with them. I guarantee you, I I see it happen. I've seen Mm. it happen that they appreciate so much more because you put effort into being hospitable. And I think that's the thing that it's not just about contextualizing culture. It's not just about, um, you know, being friendly or whatever. I think it's part of, I'm being intentional about wanting to reach you. Yeah. And it sends that message, you know. Um, so what are some things that our churches can do that can that can do better? Because I think also that is where Elevation and these large churches, that's where they do fall through the cracks. Is it the onus is still on you at a, after a certain level to join? Yeah, absolutely. Um and with Adventists, by the way, when you do join, you get in. If you're in the Adventist system, you're in. Yeah. Like, it is very hard to get out. Like, you have to intentionally leave or, like, do something incredibly bad to get kicked out um, once you're in, once you make that initial push. So what do we do to bridge those gaps? Where's well, some things that we can do in our churches. So one of the big things we can do, I actually got this from a different, it was a different, someone made this suggestion, and I have friends that have done this for churches. I know one guy that literally, one guy I met in Rock Hill, 
um, does this for evangelical churches all the time, but he turns himself into a secret shopper. Uh, churches will hire him, or um, and he'll go to your church, and he'll point out all of the things that he saw done well and done wrong, and he'll meet with your leaders afterwards. But I think that's something we can do with friends, too. We can say to our friends, hey, I'd love for you to come to my church. We're trying to do better in this area, and I want to just know, like, what do you notice? I'm not going to tell anyone that you're coming, but what do you notice, and would you be willing to meet with me and a few other people? And uh, you'd be surprised at the amount of people that are willing to do that, actually, because they're just doing you a favor. Um, It's not some trick invite to go to church. It's literally like, hey, we want you to judge this experience for us. Um, And then be willing to listen to the feedback. One of the things I loved, I've talked about it before, the Ono, Ross, and Carrie podcast when uh, they attended an um, Amazing Facts prophecy seminar with with, um, David Stewart. At the end of it all, they revealed who they were to David Stewart, and they sat down with him, and they there's an episode that you can listen to where David takes in all the feedback from them, and he says, you know, this is super valuable for me because I've never, in all the years I've been preaching this series, I've never actually gotten feedback from someone outside of our churches. So I think getting, valuing feedback from people who aren't a part of our club, <laughs> aren't a part of the church, aren't a part of our communities, like, I think that's huge. That's a that's something really practical. And I think, too, sitting down with your with your church board or whoever, the, your, your social committee or whatever your team is, and saying, what is the experience that our visitors, our guests have, and what experience do we want them to have, and how do we get there? Yeah. Asking those questions yeah. and being willing to completely revisit and retrain and redo. I do think we should get rid of the Christianese, the Adventist lingo. I think Christianese in itself is Adventist lingo or Christian lingo, but um, I think, you know, getting rid of Happy Sabbath and um, things like that, or like, like uh, Shabbat Shalom. I like, say welcome. I say welcome. I, say welcome. I say welcome. Good morning. Glad yeah. you're here. Hey, welcome. Good morning. Yeah. Glad you're here. Wow, uh, Who did cool. you come with and, and yeah. where are you hey, from? Good to, see, good to see you. Good to see you. Yeah, exactly. So uh, things like that. Um, I, I think getting rid of kind of the Adventist specifics. If you're talking to another Adventist that you know of, sure. I don't care. I don't care if members do it to other members. Don't do it to visitors. Um, and that, that's the thing. Like, don't do it to our guests. They don't understand well, it. Well, I would say don't even do it in front of visitors. But yeah, so I'd yeah. say if you meet someone on a Monday, yeah. you can say happy Sabbath. Well, and like, but that's they the thing. notice like, there was a, that you're not doing it to them. There was a, there was a moment where this woman came to a Wednesday night prayer meeting, and at the end of it, first time, she'd never heard of Adventists before, she showed up to prayer meeting for the first time, and then um, one of my members at the end said, hey, we hope to see you Sabbath. And in the back of my mind, I went, the woman had just walked out the door, it was too late to catch her. But in my mind, I was like, that's not, she doesn't... Uh, She's going to show up on Sunday, like, where yeah, is Yeah, exactly, like, it's not clear. And so I think our language does need to be very, very clear and, and yeah. very contextualized. Because Sunday keepers believe well, in Sabbath, I, I, from too. The front, like, that's the yeah, thing. Yeah, from the front, I never say spirit of prophecy. I never just assume people, A, believe in or know Ellen White. Yeah. Ever. Oftentimes, I just say, uh, you know, one of my favorite authors or my favorite author, uh, you know, Ellen White, she wrote this. I was going to say, I, say, I haven't written any way, books, so I don't know why I'm your favorite author. But, yeah, it's fine. You're just my favorite person. Uh, There's okay, a difference. Gotcha. Um, but I, but I say to, to people, you know, like my favorite author, this, you know, she wrote this. And what it does is, A, it gives people like, oh, that's his favorite author. As a visitor, if you like what I'm hearing, now you're more likely to read her books. And B, it allows them to understand I'm reading it for this purpose because she is a fa- I don't just read her because I wanted to make this sermon better. I read her because she's my favorite author. Yeah. She wrote this. And in my reading of her, she said this thing. Um, 
and it just changes because again, it's the uh, it's not just the optics, but it's that intentionality of saying, "I want to make sure you understand that you don't have to know all these things mm-hmm. to be a part of us." Yes. Um. You know, I think that's a part of of having an evangelistic mindset. Having a hospitable mindset is a huge part of having an evangelistic mindset. And I go back to greeting is useless on its own. It's a useless position on its own. If there is no follow through, if there's no yep. prep and post, it's a useless position. If it is if it is in its proper context, it is a linchpin. It holds everything together if used correctly. I actually kind of think that your greeters should be the ones doing the most walking out of anyone on Saturday morning. Unless you have a preacher that like really moves around the stage. That would be like the only the only exception I can think of. I do. I pace. I'm like a lion in a cage, mm. constantly pacing. I have to check myself. But I agree with you on that. I do think that they should walk the most. And there should be people. By the way, most of the time we know how to select our greeters correctly. Very rarely do I go to a church and I'm like, wow, that's your greeter? Hmm. Yeah. Okay. Uh, most of the time our greeters are the correct people. We just have to encourage them to to be like, hey, don't even burden yourself by staying in the church. Go out. Mm. You know? Now, I will say this. In Texas, we don't want people outside. This is the only reason I'm going to say this is because it is hot and humid and we want that's people to come in south. So yeah. that is not a problem. That's a, that's one of the culture, uh, uh, contextualizations. But for most places in California, it's 72 degrees 98% of the time. And on the times it is a little bit colder, you're wearing a suit or, you know what I mean? Put a light sweater well, on. Well, see, but like, that's the thing. Like, I could totally see you, even in the hotter weather, putting out a tent, like a, like a, one of those pop-out tents, and like setting out lemonade. Or in the, in, the, in the winter months, setting out tea and hot chocolate. Like, it's not like this is yeah. hard. <laughs> and, 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 and again, none of that involves doctrine. These are the things that, it, like, when it comes to hospitality, I'm like, look, I get why we can fight tooth and nail over some of these dumb things i get why with with uh, with some of these some of these issues that are doctrinal i think they're clear but i get why we fight about how to truly honor the sabbath because it's an important thing and what it means and what you you know is i know it's not a can't but how do you honor it and remember it can you do that eating out can you do that doing i get why some of these things are so important to some people but I'm like, none of this none of this stuff should be things that we fight about. Like, if someone has a real issue with me putting out hot chocolate on a Sabbath morning because it's cold, I'm like, okay, first off, why? Like, there's something more than just that fact because that should be a duh. Like, oh, why haven't we done that more? Have – this is a huge one for me. Have a set – you don't even have the monogram. Just go to Walmart, buy a set of umbrellas. So that when it is raining, we have groups running to people's cars with umbrellas in hand so that if that family doesn't have umbrellas, they know. And even still for someone to walk out in the rain, right, Yeah, with an umbrella because they care, it sends a message. Well, you have seven seconds. Most of our congregations, yeah, most of our congregations are 100 people or less. I think the average Adventist congregation in Adventist congregation is like 150 people. That's not a lot. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, even if all 150 people show up, 
our greeters aren't going to be going that much. And by the way, your greeter team should be, it's going to become bigger. It's going to become a real ministry because people want to join that. So it's not like you're going to have the same four people. You're going to have people join because they're like, this is so awesome. I want to do this. Mm-hmm. I want to go and make people feel special. Yeah. No, and absolutely. that's such a huge part. There's n- like, where is the sin in making people feel special? Mm. Where? We make them feel special for other reasons, right? Like, oh, you eat bacon. Oh, you, yeah. right? Like, we make them feel special for negative reasons, but we don't make them feel special for positive reasons. Like, oh, my goodness, you are the reason why. And if you think about it, and, and this is, there are two reasons why we do church. Three reasons why we do church. Number one, to honor God and to bring him glory. Right, yeah, and to and to express to him our praise. Number two, for fellowship together as Christians, to come together as Christians and talk about and support each other and 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 share what God has done through our week. And the third reason is to have a place where we can bring others in and tell them about the amazing, awesome things that God has done for us. Right. So they are one of the th- visitors are one of the three reasons why we do church. And if your church has any kind of evangelistic mindset, if you have an evangelism cycle, you should be greeting intentionally. You should be thinking about how to be hospitable. Mm. You know, I so I'm I, I, I love I, I'm not going to I'm not going to keep going. I love your idea of having a secret shopper but, or, or yeah. a, a, a and that's Secret a thing. Visitor. Like that's not anything new. I yeah. love that. Well, I think there's there's another thing we can do too, and this is from the member side, right? So now I'm not speaking pastorally or leadership side. I'm speaking member side. Stop making church about you. Woo. If like I I'm now a normal church. I'm not a pastor anymore. So uh, this is to me too, Woo. right? Like lay person, uh, lay person. The church isn't for you. The like it is as a place of worship, but it but. Like what we're doing, we should be about reaching the people that aren't in the building yet. Uh, everything we do should be focused on that. Yet we're so focused on making the place comfortable for ourselves that they walk in, they're like, I don't, I don't want anything to do with this, right? Like, I don't want this because it makes me uncomfortable. I don't want this because I don't like it. Um, why? It's like pride and arrogance is what it is, in my opinion. And it's what stops us from being able to have tough conversations about how we change things or how we do things. Oh, I don't want to do more than stand at the door and hand out a bulletin because I don't want to do that on Sabbath. You know, I don't want to walk out in the heat. I don't want to be in, like, be willing to be uncomfortable. I don't want to, like, I, every part of me wants to do that typical guilt trip where I'm like, Jesus was uncomfortable for you. But like, that's not, like, that's not why I want to tell you to do this. I want you to do it because this was uncomfortable because he lived before yeah. they were running well, toilets. When, when that was why, when you are a host, when someone is at your house, right? Like I offer to get people water, cook them food, something, right? Things that like, if I'm sitting alone at my house, I wouldn't do for myself because I'm lazy. But the second someone else is involved in the picture, like I will, if I know someone's coming over, I will clean like crazy. But if no one has come over in three weeks, I'll have put off some things that I should have been doing. Like it's, it's one of those things where when you are a host, you become more intentional about someone else. And I wish we could reframe the way we view church as we are hosting our guests and we have no idea who's going to walk in. We don't know what guests are coming. No one's signed up to come, but we're, we should always be expecting guests and every part of our conversation and our behavior should be geared towards making those guests feel like they were never guests in the first place. I'm so 100% with you. I'm yes-anding so hard right now. Um, 
I mean, really, I mean, that's, that's what you, you hit on such a good point about making church about us. I'm very passionate about this because like, these are hard conversations for leaders to have because members are unwilling to have them. It's hard. It's so hard. And I think beyond that, church shouldn't be about us, period. Even, even more along the lines of the individual us. Yes. When we talk about love the Lord, your God, with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. This is part of loving. This is part of that. Um, this is a huge part of that. So many times when we talk about loving other people, we think about the big things, being there for cancer, um, helping someone move, you know, big doing. But honestly, I have found a small conversation can do so much more than the big things. Mm-hmm. Being there in the small ways oftentimes matter more than the big events. And just having this unselfish mentality, coming to church with an unselfish mentality, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength, and love your neighbor as you love yourself. When you, as a church, take Sabbath to love the Lord your God with everything you've got and to love everyone else exactly the way that you would want to be loved. Mm. Or to to the amount, yeah, 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 with the intentionality that you want to be loved, because we all have different love languages. By the way, I'm not expect. I love hugs. I love hugs. I lo- I am touch is one of my love languages. I come from an affectionate culture. I come from an affectionate family in an affectionate culture. I have had people come to me say, it, I have had girls that I have dated come to me say, it's weird how much you and your brother, you know, are always touching each other. Yeah, um, in appropriate ways. And sometimes we slap each other on the butt. It's funny. Anyway, point being, we are constantly (laughs) (laughs) like, you know, giving each other hugs or smacking each other or like we are constantly affectionate. And they're like, that's weird. And I'm like, not for us. It's not weird for us. That being said, I have to be willing to love other people the way that they need to be loved, but the way that I would want to be loved. So they might not want the hug, but they want something else. And I'm going to love you with that something else to the amount and with the intentionality that I would want you to love me. Yep. Uh, or my people or the people that I love. Now, there's someone probably listening to this going, well, the church isn't about the guests either. Church is about God and worshiping God. The only verse... Hold on. I, I agree with I you know to some going. extent. I know. Go for it. Come on. Come on now. Uh, you may not. I don't know. We're going to find out. Jesus never said that the world will know you are my disciples by how well you love me. Jesus said the world will know you are my disciples by how you love one another. In fact, the greatest manifestation, listen, the greatest proof that you love God is that you love his creation and that you take care of his creation. So, so like you want to worship God, serve people. Can we like, can we just, if you want, if you love me, keep my commandments, which what is are those loving commandments? people, love the Lord, your God, your heart, your heart, your soul, love other people. Matthew 25 to me is the only thing we should use when someone comes up to me like that. I'm like, really? Okay. <clears throat> when the son of man comes in all his glory, he's going to set all those who believed on two sides. You know, the people who are going to make it in the people who loved other people because they loved him. So <clears throat> according to the blueprint that God gave us, you're right. We should love him. <laughs> we should respect him. You're right. You know how we do that? By loving other people. 
Yeah, like I can't, Tony, if I told you, yeah, that Tony said, I love you. Tony, you're one of my best friends. You're like a brother to me. And then I went and keyed your car. Like, <laughs> like that's not. Well, I'm into that though, but I understand. Yeah, yeah. Like if I slash your tires, like why I, if I love you, I love the things that you, that you prize, the things that you treasure. I treasure those things too. And God yeah, treasures by the way, people. If you said, yeah, if you said you loved me and then go out and beat up my younger brother. Well, Andrew, I'm okay with, but Ethan or Jordan, I'd be like, no, you don't love me. Cause I love, like, I would rather that a truck hit me than hits them. Yes. Like I worry, I worry in an inordinate amount about my younger brothers being safe to the point that I have to like not think about it. Cause otherwise I will get anxiety attacks Yes, because I'm like, I'm not there to protect them. I can't help them. So it's like, all right, well, I'm just going to not think about it because I would rather that you know what I mean? Like I would, I would rather that someone comes and hits me over the head with a baseball bat multiple times, so that they could be. If I knew that they were going to be safe, I'd be like, "Yeah, cool, break my arm. I don't need that. What? What am I? Who am I trying to impress? My baseball career is over. Take, take the shoulder. I don't need it, right? But if you say you love me and then treat them horribly, well, guess what, buddy? Right? Like I can't imagine. It's going to be so interesting to me when when God comes and all these people. We're like, Lord, like, like, oh, and I go back, Lord, Lord, look at all the wonderful things yeah. I did. Yeah, but I didn't know you. You know how I didn't know you? Because when you were supposed to be loving my people, you didn't. I, dude, look at Peter. This is, ah, oh, so many examples I get. You, you, you set off a trigger. I clearly did. Well, it's a trigger for me too, mm-hmm. so it's fine. Look at, look at how Jesus says, make up to betraying me. Three times the night they took me illegally and crucified me or the night before they, they illegally executed me. Right. Mm -hmm. Look how he responds back to Peter. You want to make it up to me? Okay. Go feed my lambs, feed my sheep, take care of my lambs. Right. Like go love the people that I love. We're good. Which by the way is so significant that Jesus says, you need to do this so that you can forgive yourself. We're good. You don't have to apologize to me. You don't have to explain to me. I'll, I have never stopped loving you. I forgave you the moment that it happened, Peter, but you want to make it up to me? Go love other people because we're good. That to me is going to be such a huge moment. And I truly hope that it doesn't keep people out of heaven. But I wonder how many good Adventists and good Christians are going to be kept out of heaven because when the time came for them to be hospitable. What you have done to the least of these, you have done unto me. Instead, they were like, you're not going to wear that dress in my church. Take the makeup off. I mean, I have heard stories of pastors coming down in the middle of a sermon, handing a handkerchief to a girl and saying, wipe that stuff off your face. Yeah, I've heard about it too. I I will... mm, like, lucky for me, they don't think guys wear makeup, so I get away with it. They're so lucky. No, I think you look really good. You, ha- you but your eyeliner is classy. You have a classy <laughs> wingtip, Becker. Um, no, but my thing is like I, I, they are lucky that I am not God. I'm lucky I'm not God, but those guys are lucky that I'm not God because I will let, I will let people who don't even believe in me over them. Like I would let in atheists before those people. Cause I'm like, at least the atheist has a belief system he sticks to. And now that he's like, Oh, there is a God. 
all right, well, now I believe in him. Like, you know what I mean? Like, at least they, you know, like, uh, I can work with them. You, on the other hand, wow, you're going to hurt people and you think you love me? <laughs> no, that's not how that works, buddy. Yeah. Like, to me, that's that's how that works. Mm. Like, you can't say you love McDonald's and then burn down every McDonald's you see or beat up every person you see heading towards a McDonald's, you know, a, a, a store like you just I'm going to actively keep people coming from McDonald's like you can't say that so to me again hospitality is a way of loving God yeah if you want to go that route which by the way sh- shouldn't be well I yeah no yeah I get you want to love God but it's it's not a reason to get into heaven yeah. it's not a good reason to get into heaven well this is the thing like when I love the Peter example you brought up when Jesus says feed my sheep right like Feed the people I just, take care of the people I just died for. Don't undo all the work that I'm doing and become about what I am about, which is the people that I love for my own sake. And so this, like, it's incredible to me how much, how simple that idea is, but how mind blowing it is. Like even talking about it, I'm just like, I'm comprehending it more. And I'm like, I really need to, I can't believe I've been missing this for so long too. Like this is so huge. And if we would become about each other, there's this, okay, there's this great lyric from a band called O Sleeper. It's a metalcore, post-hardcore band. I don't even think they're still a band anymore, but they used to be Christian. A lot of them stopped being Christian. Uh, One of their songs, Reveries of Flight, actually the clean vocalist, um, he sings about his doubt of God, his increasing doubt of God, and the screamer then wrote a response from the perspective of God to each of the things that the the clean vocalist um, wrote. But in one of their old songs, Vice is like... uh, Vices like vipers. They say, when I am God, this church is unsound. And uh, I just love that lyric, this idea that that when I put myself in the place of God and I decide that church needs to be what I want it to be, then um, it makes, then whenever it becomes, unhealthy. it becomes completely unhealthy, it becomes destructive and damaging. And it, and it, it Toxic. we, we ruin our status as image bearers. We, we are not being the image bearers of God. We are being, we are, provi- we are, we are our own image bearers. Yeah. Um, and that's not to say that I don't think here's the other thing. This is one of the things that we were talking about when we talk about, um, you know, vulnerability and, and all that kind of stuff. This isn't something that I think people do intentionally. You know, we were talking about um, way back in the day during the, the Michigan episodes, uh, we were talking about this idea of uh, shaming, right. Mm-hmm. And, and guilt shaming people. And we said, shaming usually doesn't happen intentionally. It's people with, with good intentions, you know, doing that. And I go, I think a lot of churches think they're friendly and because they think they're friendly, they are not hospitable. Yeah, No church is going to say no we're not hospitable. Yeah. No church is going to admit that they're not friendly. Well, except for, except for, except for some, like, but mo- for, the, for say, the most part, uh, for the most part, by and large, in my yeah. experience, I've seen all, most churches think they're friendly and there's nothing wrong. I want to, yeah, I want to be that. That's their intention. Right, they they want to be friendly. They want yeah. to have visitors walk in. And it's like, okay, well, these are ways that you can be better about that. Yep. Don't just be friendly. Be hospitable. Um, and and it and again, I think that's the difference is that intentionality. So that it's like, okay, make sure that we are using the thing. You know, I'm not saying that Happy Sabbath is a bad phrase. I'm not saying it's the same thing with Merry Christmas. My sister gets so annoyed. I can't even say Merry Christmas anymore. I'm like. That's not why people say happy holidays. You can say Merry Christmas to somebody wearing a cross and wearing a Santa hat. That's not not okay. I'm just saying if you see someone who's neutral, say happy holidays. That way, you know, 
It's like it's like calling someone Greg, right? What's the stuff we do? If we just said to every visitor, "Hi, Greg." Well, you can say that if that's Greg. If it's not Greg, don't say hi, Greg. You know what I mean? Like if they don't. The episode after this airs, I'm saying hi, Greg to you. I just want you to know that. Yeah. And every, and now anyone that gives us any podcast feedback, I'm going to respond with, hey, hey, Greg, thanks for your feedback. We really appreciate it. Hi, Greg's. Yeah. What's up, Greg? I'm really excited Um, for this joke to take off. I'm going to run it it into the ground. 300 episodes later, people are. What's up, Greg? Um, <laughs> someone so joining guys, in is going to be Greg. like, who's Greg? Is he the producer? What's Tony, I'm just saying, I mean, Greg, I'm just saying that it's only $60 to change your name. So you could definitely become It Greg. is true. That is true. There's a Friends episode about that. Um, no, but so for reals, like, that's the thing. Just be intentional about it. You don't have to compromise your beliefs. These are all things that I think are so easy. You don't, I mean, honestly, like, this isn't even something that you have to really think about and debate about as a board. You can be like, I want to set up a hospitality ministry, and greetings is part of that, you know? Um, you already have people. It, by the way, we already have a system and structure with people to take care of a hospitality. Mm. You know, are most people aren't aware of this. We have deacons and deaconesses. That is like so in line with what they're supposed to be doing. You know what I mean? Like yeah. that is that is a perfect and every church has it. Like that is literally so perfectly what they're supposed to be doing. Um, not all of them have to greet, but I'm saying they can contact people through the week. They can um, you know, make sure that the cards are there. You know, somebody can be in charge of making sure we have information in the book. And did we, did we, did we talk to, you know, maybe the, the people who aren't super friendly have one of your deacons come. All right. Did we talk to everybody who didn't, you know, how many, yeah. how many visitors did we miss? You know, have somebody who's more organized about that, have them leave the organization part of it, but like make your hospitality intentional and create a culture of hospitality. That yes. was one of the big things that, that I wanted to try to create. And I want to set in every church I'm at is not just a hospitality friendliness, but a hospitality. <gasps> Sorry, a culture of, of friendliness, but a culture of hospitality. Mm. Well, on that, I think um, I, th- I think we I, I think we've beat that horse in ranted the ground. enough. Yeah. Um, well, thank you guys so much for listening, and to Greg, all thousand of you, thank you so much for listening and your support just by playing. Hi, this Greg. Show. We just want to give you a shout out, uh, Greg. You are the best to all thousand of you. Uh, to uh, if you want to subscribe to this podcast, this is the first time you're hearing it. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, absurdity, theabsurdity.org. Find us anywhere. Subscribe. If you listen to us on iTunes, please leave a review. And if you want to support us financially, every dollar goes right back into this podcast. You can head over to patreon.com slash absurdity podcast. Um, and last but not least, if you have any comments, questions, or feedback for the show, you can email me, ryan180becker at gmail.com, or you can find me on Twitter at ryan180becker, or you can find Tony at Tony uh, with a Y T O N Y underscore Anobili A N O B I L E. Um, or you can just look up the new Dr. Jones. Awesome. So thank you guys so much for listening. This doesn't exist. Well, it does exist without you, but it's no fun without you. So we, we really appreciate you listening and supporting and we can't wait to see what the future holds. So thanks guys. We'll see you next week. Greg, you're the best. We love you, Greg. Today's episode of Absurdity is sponsored by The Haystack. The Haystack is a voice for young adults in the Seventh-day Adventist Church that produces articles, music reviews, videos, and more. To check them out, 
go to www.thehaystack.org. The Haystack. Life. Culture. Theology.